You are Locked On Cougars. Welcome into a Wednesday edition of the podcast. Hope you guys are all doing great out there in Cougar Nation. A lot to get to ahead on today's show. We're going to go more broad picture today. Answering a question I promised to get to from yesterday's podcast, it will involve comments from Jack Swarbrick, the Notre Dame Athletic Director, based off a question we got in our listener mailbag, but also involve Mark Emmert, NCAA President, announcing he is stepping down from his position. We'll dig into that. We'll also continue our Player Countdown series. Today we talk about a defense defensive lineman that flew very under the radar during his entire career during the independent era for BYU and of course we'll catch up on everything else going on in BYU sports news at midweek baseball and softball with wins as well as a new graduate assistant for the BYU football program coming from an in-state rival we'll get to all of that ahead on today's show so let's get rolling here this is the Locked On Cougars podcast for April 27th 2022 Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning. But more importantly, thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen to the day. We are very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where, of course, the motto is your team every day. And as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. We're here five days a week for you guys, making sure you got everything you need to know about when it comes to BYU. BYU Sports. This YouTube venture we're on, I'm going to point down on the screen for those of you listening. There's a little link here. Click for new pods. It should be right down in that corner I'm just pointing to. Click on it if you're just checking us out for the first time. Subscribe, enable notifications, comment, like, share, do all that fun stuff. Help us continue to build this brand, especially in the YouTube version of it. And it's something actually we're going to do moving forward as well, is we now have the capability of doing live shows. I'm not comfortable uh, in terms of uh, getting them up to speed quite yet. I'm not as comfortable getting them up to, quite, up to speed quite yet, but very quickly here, we'll do some live shows. We'll have some fun with it. You guys can interact with the show live, and it should be a fun uh, part of this. So stay tuned for that, but big thank you all the same for your support of the podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening in from, regardless. If it's a regular podcast, you're listening to the audio format of this, thank you for downloading the show. All right, getting going on today's show, answering a question that was a holdover from yesterday's show, a question from Tricky Tanner, our good friend Tricky T on Twitter. And he asked the question, Jake, what do you make of the comments from Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick? And I think many of you out there who are either watching or listening to the show probably saw these comments in one fashion or another. Uh, Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick is one of the real power players in college football. He sits on the CFP Board of Directors. He is the only athletic director that sits on that board. All the rest of them are the conference commissioners of the various conferences. And Notre Dame, as an independent they have a seat at that table. So Swarbrick has a huge amount of power. And he spoke with Sports Illustrated over this past weekend. And very interesting comments. And they come, obviously, uh, in line with the announcement yesterday, a surprise announcement, that Mark Emmert, the NCAA president for the past 12 years, essentially the entirety of 
BYU's independent era in their own right. Mark Emmert has been leading the NCAA there in Indianapolis. And trust me, there are a lot of comments out there if you were on social media about Mark Emmert that are just lambasting this dude. And let me be very clear about this. Mark Emmert, I don't think he was necessarily as bad as people said he was, but he definitely was not at help when it came to athletics, so in collegiate athletics in particular. That dude was just bad news it felt like. He just could not get the NCAA out of its own way. But let's get back to the comments from Jack Swarbrick at hand and hopefully address what Tricky Tanner was talking about. And the question in in my in his mind, speaking of Tanner, I believe, was him asking, okay, Jack Swarbrick says that BYU and these other programs out there, Notre Dame and the other 131 FBS programs, there is a, quote, inevitable, unquote, uh, break coming for college athletic departments. He thinks it's in the mid-2030s. So think a decade from now when the SEC TV contracts are up, the ACC runs through 2036. Yeah, the Grand Rights runs through 2036. We don't know how long the Pac-12 and the Big 12 deals are going to be that they're negotiating right now. I would imagine they're probably going to line them up in line with the SEC, ACC, and the Big Ten deals. And he thinks in the mid-2030s, a breakup is coming. And he made the comment about, uh, he thinks there's schools that will still operate athletics within a traditional educational uh, structure. So the school will still retain its athletic department within the school's control. And he says, those who will tie sports to the university in name only. So think of it this way. If we want to use BYU as an example, BYU, in theory, in the 2030s, could license or just off uh, set an offshoot, a branch off of the their athletic department and create an entirely new entity that has the intellectual property rights to use the BYU brand, the BYU Cougars mascot, all that stuff. Essentially, you're creating a entity that runs athletics that's associated with BYU, but is a separate entity in its entirety, only sharing the marks, the logos, the nicknames, and that type of stuff. It's a connection to the university and name only. It's what Swarbrick's talking about. Tanner asked the question, where do you think BYU lands in all this, Jake? Would they be all of a sudden cast right back out of the Power Five? I don't know uh, what the correct assumption would be here, Tanner, because it's so new. These these comments, uh, Jack Swarbrick saying this is inevitable that this is going to happen, is a big surprise to me, if, if I'm being honest. I... I I thought the the NCAA, the Power Five conferences were going to let the status quo stand pat for at least a little while, but if I've learned anything uh, watching college athletics, the carousel that seems to bring change is spinning faster and faster. It just never stops. And in an, a break of this type... I think it could be inevitable. The biggest thing I think is going to be is how it delineates the break. Is it going to be the entire athletic department? Because it, trust me, there are a lot of schools out there, and BYU, I think, in some ways benefits from this, but I know there are other schools who need this. It's a lifeblood for student body and student fees that come in. There are a lot of student athletes that come to universities, and they may get a partial scholarship. So, for example, it may pay half tuition, or their books are paid for, or they get a housing stipend, and whatever it might be. These are the non-revenue sports, by and large, the quote-unquote Olympic sports, where the scholarships can be divvied up by the coaches. Well, those students have to invest in their education. They're paying school fees, tuition, books, all that money goes into the the school's coffers. And I don't think they're going to be willing to give up that much money. 
I could see a split happening more with the football programs, if that makes sense. And we have heard it from BYU's own mouth, in the mouth of uh, Tom Homo in particular. He says that BYU's aspiration is, con- is to compete at the highest level of football that they can. Well, they're getting into the Big 12. They're going to be a member of the Power 5. That is the highest level BYU can a- aspire to right now. If a break were to happen where essentially you create a pseudo-professional league, it wouldn't be pseudo-professional league, it'd be a pro league, uh, essentially a feature a league that goes into the NFL uh, it's in college football but it's a pro league athletes are getting paid they're getting paid right now but you think about it they they changed the whole structure of this I would imagine that BYU would obviously explore all options with this but the interesting thing will be with a new NCAA president taking over at some point and Mark Emmert's tenure will end regardless in June of 2023 he's announced that he will be stepping down from that position the very latest will be next June June 2023 and the hope is they will have somebody to replace him uh, before then and then he can just step aside as soon as that new person is installed in that position. It's going to be a position that's a very thankless job. Mark Emmer has become persona non grata, and there's many things he has done that have kind of earned him that persona non grata uh, moniker or just the being the bad guy out there because he's kind of a crony, if I'm being frank. I, I just did not like how he operated. He came off as just pompous and well it's all about the student athletes here meanwhile we're running a multi-billion dollar business that we happen to swan as a non-profit huh what 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 the NCAA is a farce. I have said that before. I'll say it again. The NCAA, the one thing that they have done to help themselves that I think is going to be beneficial is the fact that they they voted to revamp the NCAA Constitution. They're re, re, rewriting it at every level. So Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three are all going to have their new constitutions as to how they will operate moving forward. That is a positive for the NCAA. Can they find a president, a new leader of that organization that can come in and hopefully uh, re rehabilitate the image of the NCAA to some degree. Will you rehabilitate it to be what it was in its heyday back in the middle of the 19th century, not the 19th, the 20th century? Probably not. I'll be frank. I think the NCAA, I think everybody's kind of seen through all of their pompous statements about, well, we're, we're all about the student athletes. Okay, we get what you, we're about the student athletes. Great. You can say that all you want, but all this money over here that you refuse to actually pay those student athletes, what, what do you have to say? Well, okay. There's so much going on here that the new person that takes over that job, it's going to be a thankless position. They are going to have to be willing to put up with a lot of crap from a lot of different people, whether it's fans, administrators at the various schools that they are over, which by the way, there are what, probably five to 600 different schools at the different levels, the different divisions of the NCAA, division one, division two, II, division three. We know that there's 355, 356 division one men's basketball programs. Uh, there's 131. FBS football programs, FCS programs, there's over 100 of those. There are just so many schools that you will have to deal with on a day-to-day basis and try and make everybody feel happy with various levels. You've got Texas and Ohio State and Michigan, these big dogs, Alabama, LSU, who have 100 and 200 and $250 million budgets. And then you've got these little tiny schools that are Division Three, Davis and Elkins College. It's a school in West Virginia. The reason I know about it, I had a family member that played soccer there. It's this little division I think it might be Division Two now, but tiny school has, I think, no more than like maybe a thousand students. They're supposed to compare with the Texases of the world. 
this whole deal with the NCAA, I do not envy whoever takes over for Mark Emmert. And if what Jack Swarbrick is saying, because as I've said, Jack Swarbrick is a power player. This guy has the pulse of what's going on in collegiate athletics. If he thinks that there is an inevitable split in Division One coming, that new NCAA president is going to have to put on an absolute clinic in terms of PR to manage getting through that somehow, if it does happen. They've got a decade or so to get ready for it, it appears, according to what Swarbrick's timeline was. The other thing about this that was interesting is he's saying that there are multiple programs out there that he thinks are trying to leave their conferences, but they are being held up by the media contracts, the grants of rights that are in them. I think that is a reference a little bit to the Texas and Oklahoma situation where they're trying to jump to the SEC. I'm sure there are a number of other programs out there who are exploring their options. Jack Swarbrick, I know, has spoken with multiple programs. He did speak with BYU before they went independent to lay out kind of how independence works for Notre Dame. It's a different level for Notre Dame because they are a power player in college athletics. But this guy sure seems to have a pulse on what is coming down the pipeline. And whoever takes over as NCAA president, you better get in, get your, get what you want to get done and get back out. Because if you're there for the time that Mark Emmer was there, let's say you take over in early 2023, you do 12 years, it's 2035. And that is right during the period of when Jack Swarbrick thinks this split could happen. And that is going to be a PR disaster for the NCAA, I feel like in many ways. There are so many unanswered questions and, and Tanner, hopefully I answered some of them, answered, address your specific uh, needs on this, but it's a very, very convoluted situation. I really don't think it has a clean outcome. Honestly, I do not think it does, but I do think in getting back to the BYU element of this, I think BYU will pursue all options to play at the highest level of athletics they possibly can muster. Will BYU ever go completely professional with their sports? I don't think I can ever say, I, I don't think I can ever Say never say you get what I'm saying. Never say never on that, but BYU will only uh, I think pursue it to a point. That is, I guess, what I'm trying to get across. But we'll see. It's a very very early on in kind of the how how the future of the NCAA is going to look like. But there are a lot of people with a lot of opinions on things and a lot of new leadership that's also coming in because they have a new Big Twelve commissioner that's supposed to be hired at some point. Could Oliver Luck go from being the favorite to be the Big Twelve commissioner to now being the favorite to be NCAA president. Uh, crazier things have happened, and he did work at the NCAA in addition to his work with the Big 12. There is so much going on, and I'm just kind of rambling on this, but it is a topic that has got so many uh, potential branches off of it that it could feature topics that we'll talk about this podcast literally potentially for years to come. It's just a very very juicy topic, but one that's just kind of in its quote-unquote infancy at this point. All right, coming up here in just a moment, uh, we are going to get to our player countdown spotlight for this week. What we've been doing is highlighting the top 50 players, what we call the old-timers, the pre-independent era uh, BYU football players, the top 50 of those, as well as the top 50 players from the independent era for the Cougars. Uh, the 50 independent areas where we'll go on today's show. We're talking about a defensive lineman that I always enjoyed watching but did not get 
seemingly any type of notoriety I felt like during his time as a Cougar. We'll get to all of that here momentarily. First, though, today's show is brought to you by our great friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar are the best tasting protein bars that I have ever had. I am a huge fan of them. I've had some people on social media say, are you really that big of a fan of them? I am. I was actually golfing with a good friend, Keith, yesterday um, out at Sleepy Ridge in Orem, and Keith actually uh, pulled out of his golf cart. He pulled out a Built Bar and said, Jake, have you tried these? I'm like, Keith, you would not believe I have had my fair share of Built Bars. He actually shared one with me. I had the Shamrock flavor, which is just phenomenal. It's a limited time flavor. They actually have uh, already ended that run of that one. But the best part is the macros on these Built Bars are incredible. The more important part is if the Built Bar you tried maybe is too rich for you, it's, it's just a little too thick for you, give the Built Puffs a try. They are a first-of-its-kind protein-infused marshmallow bar that is still covered in 100% chocolate and the macros on it are comparable to a Built Bar. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams at least of protein packed into them. And oh, by the way, they just announced new granola bars yesterday as well. I cannot wait to get my hands on those. I am a huge fan of granola bars and if it's got the Built brand name on it, I can guarantee it's going to be packed full of protein and be healthy for you guys. So right now, what you need to do is drop everything. You can stop this podcast literally. I do not mind or you can pull it up on your browser while you're listening to this or watching it go to built.com use the promo code locked 15 that's l-o-c-k-e-d-1-5 for 15 percent off your order you heard that right promo code locked 15 at built.com for 15 percent off of your entire order take advantage now get enjoying the best tasting protein bars and do it with our friends at built bar Time now to talk a little more about what's going on with BYU football, looking back a little bit. But first, thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Now for a big announcement. For the first time ever, Locked On, the Locked On Podcast Network is hosting live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft from our studios in Dallas with pick-by-pick analysis from every local team, experts, and draft gurus all in one. Tune in for all three days as our draft team guides uh, you through every pick and every trade in real time. It all starts Thursday, obviously. That'll be tomorrow. April 28th at 5 o'clock Mountain Time, available on the Locked On NFL channel on YouTube and also on the Odyssey app. All right, uh, today's show is going to be a little shorter, I feel like. We'll see how long it takes. I actually took a lot longer on that first part of it, talking about the NCAA and Mark Emmert, etc. But let's highlight a player from the independent era for BYU, a guy that I uh, got to know his parents, actually, on a trip uh, to cover the BYU-Wisconsin game, the first BYU-Wisconsin game, if I recall correctly. Uh, but I was on my way to Chicago. I got on a tram at O'Hare Airport. I was, uh, was going to drive up to Madison from Chicago got on the tram uh, from my terminal to get over to rental car area, that type of stuff. And I'm sitting there and I had, I, I don't know if I was, was I wearing BYU. I might have been, but I saw another couple uh, that was wearing some BYU gear and they saw what I was wearing or they at least saw something made on my backpack. I don't remember what it was. I can't remember the entire circumstance. They said, hey, are you are you going to the Wisconsin game? I'm like, yes, I am. They're like, well, our son plays for BYU. I'm like, okay, well, who's your son? They're like, his name is Meryl Taliauli. I'm like, is it Meryl Taliauli? Oh my Metty? They're like, yes, he goes by Metty. I'm like, okay. Uh, Metty Taliauli was a guy that I felt like was just a, a guy that BYU fans 
whether it was that he did not necessarily have a standout play or plays that highlight his career for BYU, I don't know. But a guy out of East High School in Salt Lake City, Utah, played for BYU in 2013 before embarking on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, then returned to play for BYU from 2016 to 2018. His career stats, nothing amazing. 53 total tackles, just one sack in his career, had two tackles for loss, three pass breakups. So nothing necessarily stood out about him, but what I always loved about Meti Taliuli was his parents taking the time to talk with him. We talked for probably about 20 minutes about how much they loved his their son playing for BYU. Obviously, they were going up to that Wisconsin game, and they were excited to see him uh, squaring off against a high-level opponent. But Meti was a guy that I always enjoyed talking to as well. Very humble, uh, very soft-spoken as well, if I, is what I recall of speaking with him. But what I loved about a guy like Meti Taliuli was that he just was a no nonsense guy. He was given an assignment. He went out and accomplished it. He was a guy that wasn't necessarily looking for plaudits. He was not looking for the big time. He had plenty of teammates during his time at BYU that took those headlines away from him and took the spotlight. And uh, it's hard. I think any football player and anybody who's played uh, sports, there's, there's competitive fire within all of us. That thing exists. And when you're overlooked, I think it's very easy for people to become cynical or bitter. But I feel like a guy like Meti Taliuli was uniquely suited to the role he was asked to play. And that was to play in that 3-4 alignment for BYU for most of his time, uh, playing under the Bronco Mendenhall era, uh, and then also switching over to the Kalani Sitake era early on. He was asked essentially just eat up blockers. Those would be a, a space eater, essentially, is, is the term I like to use for these defensive linemen. They're supposed to two-gap. They're supposed to take on two and three linemen and it's just a, it's a thankless job you get no credit absolutely no credit for the job you do because you see the linebacker behind you that you kept uh, clean they're able to go make the play in the backfield and everybody's like hey way to go Fred Warner way to go insert linebacker name here and the defensive lineman's over there like well congratulations I, I did my job so you could do yours and that's the thing about that is Meti Taliauli was a guy that I always enjoyed watching him just go about his craft like I said there was nothing in necessarily that stood out in my opinion that was like that's the moment that made him one of the top 50 players at BYU in the independent era but as I have said about the top 50 player countdown here on this podcast in the independent era in particular really this countdown I'm only doing it by number because it's easiest to keep track of I feel like these rankings are interchangeable in so many ways. A guy like Meti Taliauli could easily have been number 50, and I think you'd obviously put him up in the 30s. And it's been that same way for all these other guys we have talked about during this countdown. They're just guys that I enjoyed watching during my time covering BYU because my professional career covering BYU, it's kind of funny. It coincides essentially with BYU being an independent program. Going into the Big 12 will be the first time in my professional career I'm actually getting paid to cover BYU. When they get into the Big 12, be the first time that I've done it professionally that BYU's been in a conference. I was an intern for one year during the Mountain West Conference era, but then since then it's been independent era and it's actually been a really kind of funny thing. I've been thinking about how I'm going to go about revamping my coverage with BYU being in the Big 12 and there are so many unknowns with that because it's a different level of football. We all know that, but just with uh, dealing with conference calls and having to have media days and just... There's so many new elements to it. It's going to be kind of fun to do, but it's been a really fun decade-long run covering the Cougars and Independence, and I will miss certain aspects of it, but at the same time, very much looking forward to seeing BYU participate in Big 12 football because 
I have dreamed. I have dreamed for years. I was a young bucket. Many of you know this. I, I grew up in the shadow of Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I sat in those West Stands for years, dreaming of the day that BYU, I remember going, I vividly remember one of the very first games I vividly remember attending was that kickoff class against Texas A&M in the 1996 season. It was a sweltering day there at LES in mid, uh, was it, what was it, I guess it was late August. I think it was like, the, like August 20th or something like that. It was just blazing hot. But I remember watching that and BYU beating Texas a and I was just sitting there thinking, how cool would it be to see BYU playing that type of opponent week in and week out? That's what we're getting. We're a year away. It's crazy to think about, but get excited, folks. It's a lot of fun. I'm very much looking forward to it. And guys like Meti Taliuli, to bring it back around full circle, they kind of helped lay the framework for this because BYU doesn't make it to the Big 12 without some standout performances throughout this run in independence. And guys like Meti Taliuli, they were part of some big games for BYU. They also went through some tough times as well, but they helped lay the groundwork, the framework that BYU will build upon as they join the Big 12 Conference. All right, uh, coming up here in just a moment, we'll talk about everything else going on in BYU sports. A new a- a- not athletic director, a new uh, graduate assistant added to the BYU co- uh, coaching staff. Wow, we got a new athletic director. That's breaking news. I'm burying the lead if that was the case, but we'll get to all of that here momentarily. First, though, a note on our friends. This episode of Locked On Cougars is brought to you by our friends over at rockauto.com, a resource I have used actually quite a bit recently. Uh, with Rock Auto, with ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of all vehicles, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you would need for your vehicle. Why would you endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning about your vehicle and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts for on their computer choosing only the brands that their warehouse happens to carry you have access to rock auto with your computer at home and also in your pocket the best part is rock auto will save you both time and money when using their resource why would you choose to spend 30 50 even 100 percent more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership and rock auto the best part is it's a family business been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years i can speak to this directly i was quoted a certain price on replacing a light on my uh, daily driver that I drive to and from work every single day. I got on rockauto.com, looked it up. It was a third of the price. Think about that. I would have paid 60% markup if I would have taken it and had the, the big box store, I guess is the easiest term to use, pay for it. That's what Rock Auto is here for. Their prices are reliably low for every customer, and they've got everything you could ever need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for all of your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car, truck, or SUV. Make sure, this is the one thing we do request, write locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you, like getting some credit for sending you to check out their resource. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, catching up on everything else going on in BYU sports news here. Uh, BYU baseball had a great night at the ballpark last night at Miller Park, shutting out UVU 7-0. It was Seinfeld night last night, so the quote-unquote summer of George has begun for BYU baseball, if you want to term it that. I know that summer's not here, but any of you who watch Seinfeld know exactly what I'm referencing. And those of you who are too young for it, I would encourage you to watch Seinfeld. It's one of the greatest sitcoms of all time. All right, that aside, BYU baseball now head to USF this weekend. 
weekend. They're taking on the Dons Thursday through Saturday. Every single game will have the same start time. 1 o'clock Pacific. That'll be 2 o'clock Mountain Time. Those three games will also be on the BYU Sports Network on the radio. Greg Rubel will be on the call for those. If you want to tune in and hear the Dons and the Cougars square off, BYU could use a big series win on the road this weekend and hoping they can pull it off. They're actually going to spend the next two weeks, the majority of it, in California because next week they also have a midweek game against Cal State Fullerton in Fullerton and they'll also face off against Pepperdine down there on the weekend. So a big 10 or so days for BYU baseball coming up in California. Uh, For BYU softball, they got three two-run home runs to beat Dixie State 8-6 in a slugfest. Uh, That was in St. George. The Cougars were down south at uh, at Dixie State to take on that game. BYU remains undefeated against the Trailblazers, winning all three of the matchups since Dixie State recently transitioned to being a Division I program in the summer of 2020. So congratulations to BYU softball on that victory. Uh, BYU is now headed to Southern Utah to take on uh, SUU. Uh, that'll be up next, actually happening today. Oh, yeah. So it's actually today at 3 o'clock Mountain Time, streaming live on ESPN+. Plus. If you want to tune into that and watch BYU Women's Softball in action. And then the final notes for you guys on today's show is congratulations to three BYU Women's Golfers, Anik Hakawizik, hopefully I'm still pronouncing her name correctly. I don't know if I am. Alicia May Mateo and Leela Naliai were all named to the 2021-2022 BYU, uh, not BYU, WCC Women's Golf All-WCC team that came out earlier this week. Kerry Roberts, their head coach, said, we are ranked 40th in the country and have three team wins. But without these three ladies, uh, we none of that happens. So congratulations to all three of them winning those honors. BYU Men's Golf is participating uh, in the West Coast Conference Championships this week. I am fully expecting Carson Lundell to be in the running for Player of the Year, potentially, but at least he'll be all WCC in his own right. So tune in for that if you want to check that out. All right, and then the final note for today's show is congratulations to new BYU graduate assistant DJ Williams. He joins BYU as a graduate assistant for the defensive side of the football, working with the defensive backs. He is a former standout at Utah State University. Those of you who may remember watching him, uh, he was actually also featured on uh, one of the uh, seasons of Last Chance U. I'm a huge fan of Last Chance U. It's got a lot of language. Let me be very clear about that if you want to go back and watch this series on Netflix. But DJ Williams was a member of the Independence Community College team there in the Midwest, but ended up playing for... uh, Utah State starting 26 games across two years for the Aggies. A very good player. I do remember watching him play, but now he'll be bringing his skill set to BYU as a GA. He'll be working with both uh, Ed Lamb with the BYU safeties, as well as Gennaro Guilford with BYU's cornerback unit, and congratulations to DJ Williams. He joins uh, fellow graduate assistants Jordan Howard and Spencer Patterson on the offensive side. Jordan Howard works with the running backs, while Spencer Patterson mainly focuses on offensive line. And then also on the defensive side, uh, he is joining up with former BYU fullback Kyle Griffiths, who works kind of with the defensive line slash linebacking core as a GA. So really, really cool stuff. And congratulations to DJ Williams on joining the BYU staff. All right, that is going to do it for today's edition of the show. Coming up on tomorrow's show, I wanted to talk a little BYU football with regards to how things are looking as the Cougars look towards the summer. There are going to be player-run practices ongoing, uh, athletes obviously trying to figure out their future because May 1 is the transfer transfer portal deadline to remain immediately eligible for this year. How might things play out for BYU in the coming month or so? We'll talk a little bit about that on tomorrow's show. So a big thank you 
first off for making us your first listen of the day. Now I want to encourage you guys to get over and make our good friends over at the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast your second listen of the day. Get up to speed on everything you know about the draft ahead of tomorrow's NFL Draft beginning. We'll also hit on that on our show tomorrow. We're going to talk more about the prospects for guys like Tyler Algier more in depth on tomorrow's show as well. But if you want to get up to speed on the draft as a whole, check out the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. It is free and available just like this show. There you go. You have it. That's it. Thank you for joining us. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day whenever you hear this. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for August, April 27th, 2022. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow.